Hi everybody, you're listening to the second episode of Pop Sanskriti and I'm Shorbari. For our first time listeners who don't know what this podcast is about, if you've ever fallen down the rabbit hole of YouTube videos or movies and TV shows and games, then this podcast is for you. You've come to the right place. And um I have company here, so I'll quickly introduce them. I have Jaskirat who plays a lot of games and will you say hi hi <laughs> <laughs> and he watches a lot of shows as well and uh, then i have sushovan who remembers every alternate detail of any shady film name at ramsey brothers he has some details to add to it yeah any film gets interesting after the fourth installment or the fifth <laughs> and of course there's manvi who did make an appearance the first episode a quick fact about manvi and this is something i imagine about her but i'm pretty sure it's true she has a devanand shrine hello <laughs> in a room <laughs> that is not true or maybe it is hi guys it would be funny if it weren't true <laughs> yeah so um speaking of pop culture once you start talking you know you'll have a lot of content to talk about you can't stop talking about pop culture but we had to zero in on three topics and in the last episode uh, we had talked about gali rap and the music of uh, gali boy but that was when the film hadn't released and by now uh, this this film's release so we're of course talking about gali boy and uh, the second thing uh, we're going to talk about is a surprise i'm just going to say this that this movie was released on this day 10 years back so you guys can keep guessing in the meantime uh, the third one is of course this big thing that netflix has dropped on us that's russian doll and before we proceed with the podcast we'll just do a quick wrap of everything that's going on with the world of pop culture All right, so we are beginning with a quick round of very flash news. Uh, all the news that we think all the geeky, nerdy pop culture followers and listeners should know about Manvi. Yeah, so one of the things that if you're a journalist and even if you're not a journalist, you should be very excited about is that the newsroom is coming back for a fourth season to specifically cover the Trump era. If you haven't seen it, you must. It's uh, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. Has some brilliant dialogue, which is strangely relevant when we're talking about what is fact and what is not fact. Um, some not so good news, perhaps, for fans of Marvel and Netflix, because uh, Netflix is set to cancel. Uh, it's uh, shows that are produced by marvel for example uh, luke cage the punisher jessica jones but there is a ray of hope for marvel fans so do not despair because there is news that disney's platform may be picking these shows up so yeah uh, watch out for disney's ott platform and uh, the fourth season of man in high castle has finally been officially announced the trailer was dropped earlier today and there's some bittersweet news over there for the fans the show that actually kickstarted this subscription for amazon prime for a lot of reasons is in its final season now this is going to be the last season of man in high castle uh, but it's kind of good and bad both i think the show is going to end on a high note go and check out the trailer the show will be coming out this fall so should we commence with the podcast yes, yes. let's do it अब बहुत बेटे चुपचाप क्या घंटे का इंसाफ देश कैसे होगा साफ इनके नियत मेहताग सिर्फ छोटे में को लगा था कोई रैपिंग का बहुत शौक है करके इसको रैप बोलते हैं ये देख मेरी गाड़ी मेरे जूते ये देख दारू छोकरी सफीना तुम्हें कुकिंग आती है नहीं लेकिन अगर सब कुछ सही रहा एक दिन मैं आपका लिवर ट्रांसप्लांट कर सकती हूँ हाँ मेरा भाई ये तो रोटो की सरकार है ना नोट से बनाते अपने बेटो को ये मेरे बॉयफ्रेंड ऐसी गुलू गुलू करेगी तो धोपतेंगी ना उसको बहुत बड़ी गुंडी है तू 
And it's been six days since the movie has been released, and apparently I hear that uh, it's already uh, earned some eighty-one crores, roughly. So, which of you guys watched it on the first day? First I show? did. Can't be, can't be, can't be first show. We have a calm and dhanda. Also. No, I watched it first hey, day. Hey, but watching film is also part of our calm and dhanda. No, I watched so. it first day because I had office, uh, but I booked my tickets on Wednesday to watch it on Thursday, and I watched it on fourteenth Feb when it released. Should we start with Manvi first? What did you think of the film? Uh I really like the film I saw it first day on Thursday and I was very excited to catch it. Uh I genuinely uh, like the film. I was a little skeptical because it was a film that was being hyped up so much. So I didn't I thought maybe it would not uh, fulfill my expectations, but it surprisingly did. I mean everybody has been praising the cinematography, the acting which I think was exceptional. A particular shout out to Siddhant Chaturvedi who was sensational uh, as MC Sher. So good that a lot of people thought he was actually a rapper. but he wasn't you can also catch the interview uh, that we have done with sudhan chaturvedi on the queens website always ready for a plug <laughs> but one thing that i genuinely liked about the film apart from apart from the usual things about it being a good film was how it has platformed ambition of young people so thoroughly and so nicely i mean you see someone like murad and you see someone like safina and they are obviously born in a location that doesn't allow them or doesn't have give them the privilege to get what they want but they're saying you know what we're still going to get it by hook or by crook and we don't care if uh, we are born in a slum like dharavi we're still going to do what we want in fact it reminded me of uh, a book by snigdha poonam called the dreamers which if everyone hasn't read <laughs> and if you the listener haven't read i would highly highly recommend so even in that book it makes a point that young people in india are so ambitious and because they know are are boxed in by their limitations they are just willing to do anything that they want to get it even if it is not fitting your moral standards so like murad is stealing cars because that's the only way at the end of the day for him to earn some money so he can focus on rapping not do the job that he wanted to and also that one scene where ranveer singh uh, makes this graffiti that says roti kapda makan or internet <laughs> yeah. i thought bus i mean there are thousands of dissertations that can be written on that one scene because the internet is what allows him to fulfill his dreams and become gully boy cuz he's learning it from youtube he's using his ipad he's become a bonafide youtube sensation so that one scene okay just kiran well, i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed the movie i think it was very refreshing uh, the mood uh, was slightly blunted because just hours before that there was a pulwama attack so there was a bit of a somber mood that day so i think a lot of people would have enjoyed a lot more uh, i mean had it not been for the tragedy speaking on the movie uh, there's something that stood out there's some some uh, takeaway from it the lingering feeling that it left you with even hours after you left the hall or in the morning when you woke up the next day and i was trying to uh, understand the last time i had a movie uh, give me that kind of uh, effect and it was razi and i understood that the the common factor between the two movies is that both of them were directed by women directors and uh, it's too early to say but i do feel that there are certain nuances in such stories that can be brought out a lot more sens- sensitively by a woman director uh, i do i did imagine how gully boy would have been had it been directed by a guy frankly the jury's out on that you know i, I would have imagined an anurag kashyap or someone maybe directing it would have been interesting to see that movie was great the characters were fantastic they were shades of gray you know uh, spoiler alert guys if you haven't already watched the movie but i also liked that it showed that people 
had grey character. It wasn't all black and white. They showed that the main uh, people, their characters in the movie could uh, ha- had shades of grey in terms of like they could indulge in criminal activity or lie their way to the top or to achieve what they really wanted to achieve in life. And that was very realistic. There could be some problems for a nitpicker. There could be some problems with the movie. But I feel that it is a step in the right direction as far as filmmaking and, and, and Indian film is concerned. It's not an art film. It, it is a commercial cinema. And as commercial cinemas go, uh, I think the movie has pushed the pushed Bollywood in the right direction. Just want to add a little note for uh, those who feel that uh, the movie doesn't reconcile with the train wreck of an interview that Alia and Ranveer had with Anupama Chopra uh, in the film companion uh, interview and where they could not answer properly to the concept of Azadi and the concept of the political meaning in the music that was used in the film as compared to their real-life political inclination. Uh, and, and I really think that they're actors and actors are paid to act in a movie Let's not get our hopes and expectations too high when it comes to artists. It's no new news that Bollywood is hypocritical, that they are famously apolitical, especially this current crop of actors. We have seen it time and again and again. And okay. I, I wouldn't say they're apolitical, but they're just very smart about not completely coming out with their political affiliations for the sake of maybe playing it safe to all sides. I, I, a lot of people feel that they, they, were playing, uh, they were being very dumb about it. But I think they were just playing dumb. Also, the consequences of people doing that have been so bad. Since when has, when the political establishment doesn't stand by filmmakers like Sanjay Leela Bhansali who gets vandalized for his Padmavat. Or uh, the entire business of filmmaking, the framework is such that they have to go to the CBFC which is politically motivated to get censors. So purely if I would think of in terms of a business, if I'm a person acting and if I know that there are 50 crores that are riding on my shoulders. Personally, I think that uh, that particular interview did taint the way I uh, watched the film, although I had great fun watching it. Um, I personally don't think that you can actually take the politics away from the kind of content we're creating in society, be it a film, be it a book, and I know that a film is ultimately a director's and not so much the actors, even though they have equal contribution to it. But um, to distance oneself so far far from what the film is set to talk about, you know, like inequality and azadi, and, and to distance yourself from that, I don't, I don't think uh, that's a fair uh, take, you know. Yeah, just to take off from where you uh, left, uh, the Gully Boy in its trailer and its in its music before the film released made no bones about the fact that it was going to be a politically charged film because the lyrics had a very you know uh, a sense of simmering anger in the way the lyrics came out uh, and the interviews as we have spoken about etc. So I went also with a lot of expectations, um, looking to sort of see how the film navigates that uh, terrain of of identity politics, of class politics, because it was frankly everywhere uh, in the promotions. But what I was a little underwhelmed by is the fact that the title of the film is Gully Boy. So I was looking for as much of the gully and the boy and how the two of them coexist. And I was underwhelmed particularly by the fact that while the, the protagonist is writing these charged lines about class injustice, about a class that is keeping them oppressed. In the film, uh, the narrative steers clear of portraying uh, the upper classes or a certain class as being oppressive. 
So mm. at the end, like even though he's angry, it doesn't show him as being angry in real life when he's interacting with people um, whom he's writing against, perhaps. So in that sense, there is no villain in the film. If there is a villain in the film, then it is shown to be the people within Dharavi. His father, for example, who keeps saying that, you know, Nokar ka beta Nokar hi rahega, or his uncle. These are the people who are trying to pull him down. And the people he's writing against are shown to be the ones who are lifting him. Mm. For example, Sky. And also we spoke about uh, that a very entertaining sequence about uh, them vandalizing this problematic advertising and him spray painting uh, roti, kapra, makan plus internet. But the problem I had with that sequence is that even though the, both of them were defacing these things uh, together, the consequences mm. of their action would yeah. have been very different for someone like Sky, who comes from a very wealthy background, and for someone like Murad, who comes from Dharavi. So the same action of defacement would have had very different consequences for both of them. Uh, but I think one of the things that uh, the film deals very well with and in a way that most uh, that earlier Bollywood films haven't dealt too well with is class. So for instance, if you would see a traditional old, like a 90s film with a poor boy and a rich girl and it would be shown in very typical ways there would be a singhania surname there would be a mansion the poverty would also be very nice and very pretty but here you could actually see that it's a poverty that is suffocating so for instance when murad is in the car and he's rapping out of anger because he wasn't let into a particular space you can feel the suffocation and just just one last thing i actually uh, there was an interview that zoya akhtar did that she said where I, Zoya Akhtar, and the cinematographer sat together to map out the film in terms of the spaces in Bombay that Murad and other people and Safina and everyone else would be allowed to access and would not be allowed to access. So it's very rare to see a Bombay film without Gateway of India or without these traditional things. But if you think about it, Murad will never have the leisure time to go to Gateway of India. So he, she said, we mapped all of that. So if Murad is standing in front of a disco, from his point of view, he will not be allowed into that disco. So that feeling of access and for an Indian filmmaker to sit down and say that class is the most important thing in my film, I thought is, but, is a good step. But while you say that, I have to also mention this, that um, Ranveer, uh, Ranveer's skin was... Uh, you know, darkened. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if that's not appropriation, then what is? While it's doing something right in the film, that's also undoing the right. Yeah, no, for sure. I think with Gully Boy, there are some things that are very heartening to see simply because the history of Bollywood has been so terrible in a lot of counts. But some things which uh, are also a problem. So, Shovan, you were saying? Yeah, so just to add to the point of you talking about appropriation, there were two things specifically I felt with regards to appropriation, as you have rightly mentioned. One, is the fact that when um, they're, they're thinking of what name to come up with for Murad, who wants to be a rapper, and they're like going around, and uh, the one who essentially comes up with the name is not Murad himself, but this white westerner girlfriend of MC Shade, who just says, who nonchalantly says, hey, you're a gully boy. And uh, then everyone's like, yeah, 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 gully boy, gully boy. So, I mean, the point is that the opportunity to come up with his own name and by extension his own identity was also robbed from him. That's right. Uh, I think but one thing that 
I genuinely liked uh, by while watching Gully Boy was that watching it felt authentic and large part of it was because of the dialogues which Zoe Akhtar has been known to get wrong some of the dialogues in her earlier films haven't been the most natural but this time I think they were natural because uh, the dialogue writer here for this film uh, was someone who was very well acquainted with Dharavi uh, Shorbhai I think we have an interview with him yeah so uh, this particular person is called Vijay Maurya and I was like when I saw his face I was like कहीं तो देखा है बट टर्न्स आउट ही वॉज द कैरेक्टर फ्रॉम तुम ही वॉज नो नो ही वॉज ऑल्सो इन तुम्हारी सुलू ही वॉज दैट यू नो दैट पेन इन दाइट या सो ही वॉज द चाचा एंड ही सो वी हैव एन इंटरव्यू विथ हिम दैट आई प्ले वी टॉक्स अबाउट हाउ ही वेन बियॉन्ड द स्टीरियो टाइप्स ऑफ अ टिपिकल बॉलीवुड लिंगो एंड ऑल्सो हाउ ही गॉ द एक्टर्स टू फिट इन टू दिस सॉर्ट ऑफ अ लैंग्वेज Also, just one quick factoid about Vijay Maurya is in Black Friday. If you haven't watched it, please watch it. Obviously, in Black Friday, he had a small but brilliant cameo as Dawood Ibrahim, and they shot him from like uh, the side, so as to not to get his the front of his face, but only from his profile. And his resemblance to Dawood in that film was uncanny, and the way he carried it out. So, Vijay, like kudos to Vijay Maurya for like. Straddling all these different roles. See, it's not for nothing that we say Sushant has the most interesting <laughs> trivia on Hindi films that you would ever imagine. Okay, no time for the interview now. जितने भी चीरफाड़ आर्टिस्ट हुए हैं आज तक सबके सब भूखे फक्कर हालत ऐसी कि जो मिलेगा नोच खाएंगे बीट चुरा के फिर उसी भूख की कहानी बना के बोले फिर जाके कुछ खाएं. Uh, this see, I'm not too familiar with this culture, but uh, these boys or the uh, the guy, I mean. a dreamer or anyone who's like we call it underdog so i'm very much familiar with that you know that surrounding because i myself was an underdog mm-hmm. when murad talks to safina uski girlfriend to wo ek thoda ek thoda easy hai it's not too crude jo murad apne doston ke sath baat karta hai when safina when she meets her family members like father who's a doctor and mother who's a housewife and who's little cranky बट उस क्रैंकीनेस में भी वो आप बोलती है बच्चे को अपने होमवर्क कब कंप्लीट करेंगे आप तो सबका अलग अलग फ्लेवर था तो जोया ने कहा कि ऐसे ना लगे कि एक ही बंदा सब बोल रहा है लाइन और एंड इट्स नॉट अबाउट क्या बिड़ू आटिया खंडाला इट्स नॉट अपुन तुपुन खजूर बोले ले तेरे को आई ले गई ले फॉर मी इट्स ऑल फेक फेक आज वो हमने अक्वायर किया वो हमारे मन में कि हाँ अगर मुंबई के बारे में फिल्म बन रही है अगर रैप स्टार्स या रैपर्स के बारे में फिल्म बन रही है और धारावी में वेस्ट है तो क्या शाने चलना ये कंक निकालना मोबाइल निकाल के खींचू क्या सो इट्स ऑल फेक फॉर मी सो जोया मी रणवीर एंड गाइस अपने रैपर्स प्लस आलिया के साथ में बैठा था तीन दिन के वर्कशॉप आज टू रीड एंड रिकॉर्ड इट यू नो सो सी is a fantastic actor no doubt about it i mean mujhe batane ki zarurat nahi hai i wrote those lines to mujhe lagi to mai hi jira hu ye sare character to mujhe itna maza aa raha tha usme i mean i was i was like i attended all the reading sessions so i was like wow you know like ek showroom mein jo main likh ke de raha hu that is the final thing aur wahan pe wo character jo bole wo showroom mein jayega direct you know right. then people will take it so it was i was like the final touch to them you know कि जो बोलेंगे वो सुनाई देगा सो आई वॉज वेरी थ्रिल्ड एक्साइटेड नर्वस डरा हुआ फटी पड़ी थी मेरी बट आई आई डिड दैट नाउ दिस इज गोट बी 
a weird segue into this podcast but was at least at the time of its release all about delhi and it was saying that this is the quintessential delhi film that we have after a lot of time i remember cuz it came out in 2009 10 years ago i remember watching it in a single screen theater in delhi something that i don't do these days but uh, and i remember being uh, monumentally disappointed with the film cuz uh, the music was very popular everybody was singing uh, the pigeon song what was the pigeon song masakali everybody was singing masakali and uh, but the film was just such a disappointment i mean for a film that was supposed to be about chandni chowk i think it again something that gully boy didn't do it it just beautified chandni chowk to an extent where anybody who lives in delhi and has been to chandni chowk will say aisa to kabhi bhi nahi aisa as like aisa to kabhi bhi nahi dikhta hai what what version of chandni chowk this more is more electric vibes yeah <laughs> but the weird part was that in 2009 everybody was praising it for its authentic depiction which tells you about how far we have moved in cinema also i mean i thought the monkey man plot i mean i can't give spoiler alerts for a film that's 10 give years it. old <laughs> but the monkey man plot was just i mean ridiculous it i was i th- it made no sense but basically the spoiler alert is that during that time if you lived in delhi at that time which i don't know whether you did but if you lived in that time in delhi you'd know that monkey man was this mythical maybe real character that terrorized a lot of delhi localities where he apparently came in and was being violent with people i don't think he killed ha he beat up people there were no murders there were no murders that were happening but it was like nobody knew if he was real some people had spotted him it was like spotting the yeti basically <laughs> So that was what the film was about. I mean the second half of the film was about this fictional monkey man and then it ended on a premise of how we should love people who are different from each other. <laughs> like there was a Hindu Muslim uh, unity message that was shoehorned. It was a weird film, great music, uh, loved I personally loved seeing Vaida Rehman on uh, screen after a very long time. I am a huge Vaida Rehman fan so that was what I remember the film for. This podcast at this point has become monkey bat. <laughs> because we've been talking about monkey man anyway that joke aside also people died where in the film people died for the monkey man the actual story yeah okay i see people i, I don't remember from the buildings in panic uh, yes yeah but monkey and, man and didn't like, attack people no yeah so there were panic. panic or sometimes there was retaliation the way we've seen yeah. with the child lifting rumors now yeah so incidents of violence took place out of the paranoia okay so we're going to move forward and for the third segment of this podcast uh, where we'll discuss russian doll debayan's going to replace sushovan hi i am debayan and the resident video nerd of the quint so bye sushovan bye bye it was lovely to see you we'll and miss you uh, for the brief period of we will see you again next month for a recap on 20 years of matrix oh yes thoroughly looking forward to that so for all matrix fans 
please tune in because there's a lot in store. Let's fuck this party in the mouth. Sweet birthday, baby. No life short, carpe diem, etc. Right? What I do in my time is my business, my choice, baby. <laughs> Okay, so a couple of things to know about Russian Doll. Uh, first thing first is that the show has been created by women. Um, one of them is my personal uh, favorite, uh, Amy Poehler. Actually, she's my second favorite. Uh, Who's your favorite? <laughs> Who's your first favorite? Liz. Le- <laughs> no, not Liz Lemon. Uh, Tina uh, Fey. <laughs> um, so then there's Natasha Lyonne, who uh, also plays the character of Nadia, who's the main character, or um, much of an anti-hero also, I think, in my opinion. She's and also there in Orange is the New Black. And the third creator is Leslie Headland. For those who haven't watched the show, uh, just a little brief about what it is about. It's a sci-fi comedy. Uh, basically, it starts with Nadia's 36th birthday, and then uh, she's on a birthday party, and then rinse and repeat, and, and rinse. And repeat. So, if you, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I th- I thought that was a very uh, okay spoiler-free description. Yeah. That's that's the easiest way to talk about the show without spoiling everything. Yeah, I I guess like in the first twelve minutes. Okay, so first of all, I'm as it is late to the party. But yeah, in the first twelve minutes of the show, you would probably think like, okay, this is just another recreation of Edge of Tomorrow, or if you're a comic book nerd, then this is this is just another Flash episode where he's just time traveling and you know changing something in the past and. Uh, in in the next twelve minutes or the thirteen minutes, it just shatters that concept altogether, because, like, for, they are dealing with the concept of a time loop, but they are also dealing with so many other things. And on one hand, after watching the show, I feel like this whole time loop has a very metaphorical presence or a significance. One of them being the fact of how uh, Nadia. Okay, she uh, in the first episode she says how she hates being in a prison, and this loop actually ends up becoming a prison which she's trying to escape, and this uh, this whole loop of things going over and over again, and you know her trying to tweak small things to bring about the change just to get out of that cycle is also a you know subtle not so subtle comment on mental illness and. the mental state of mind that she is going through which i will come back to later hmm. since you mentioned mental illness one of the things that the characters uh, uh don't they don't talk about they reject the idea of being crazy so when they you know traveling in this time loop again and again and again of course one starts to think am i crazy and they're like no i'm not crazy but then there are constant flashbacks uh of how uh, of their childhood and certain relationships uh, they formed in their lives that that led them to being the way they are and i suppose that's where also the concept of russian doll as a name comes mm. because as we know that there are layers to these dolls and as the show proceeds they unbox less to their own characters kafi kafi cinema studies <laughs> no but that's the thing when i first uh, heard of the show i thought it was about a russian woman because i thought it's named russian doll it's only later much later in the show that i realized that oh they're referring to matryoshka dolls and exactly this what shobhari said about it unraveling layers to the character is what the viewer also feels another point that i want to make that i sort of took away and the reason i loved watching russian doll was just nadia's character i mean she is brash she is unabashed about what she wants she doesn't care what you think of her even as she's going across this very crazy journey 
I'm saying journey to avoid spoilers even as she goes on this very journey, crazy journey of time loops and this is how she is I mean she is not sentimental she doesn't care if you don't like her and it just felt so good to see an unlikable woman as the main character on a TV show and that's one of the reasons why I genuinely like like genuinely enjoyed watching the show apart from the cinematography and music and everything else everything that any everyone else has said another thing uh, i read an article somewhere about how in uh, russian doll the men are cast as like how women are generally cast in more tv shows like as the side romantic characters i don't think it does that what i do think it does is basically you know how characters are not necessarily masculine or feminine so i think there are like there are like asshole men in the show there are sensitive men in the show you know it just evens out all the so characterization um, beyond gender jaskirat has been dying to say something so there's a good point there and it's linked again to what i made a point about gali boy being directed by a woman and razi being directed by a woman not only are uh, uh, the creators of the show women but there are seven writers involved and all seven of them are women so which is why you see such difference uh, the show is very experimental in the sense that it, it goes into uh, places where uh, a traditional tv network would not have gone which is why thank god for ott platforms and online streaming services with a huge amount of bank balance that they could bankroll such a project without giving a damn about whether it will fail or not but i think it really works i'm only 3 episodes in by the way <laughs> <laughs> so uh, spoiler alert delayed um but in just those three episodes i it it seems like it is going to be a journey to look forward to uh it is fresh and it it is not full of clichés and woohoo varis aluwalia for the uh, you know <laughs> great uh, cameo again is it because a sikh represent well, no i mean just like well sikh represent yeah sure minority representation <laughs> i would call it but uh varis aluwalia brings back wes anderson memories so, yeah. so you know that's That's a nice touch. It's also a damn funny show. I mean, most yeah. of these Groundhog Day shows are sentimental. They're yeah. supposed to make you realize. I mean, not that there's anything wrong in being grateful for the people around you. Yeah. In case someone's listening and think I'm being unfri- ungrateful, I'm not being ungrateful. But I mean, most of these Groundhog Day shows are so sentimental. But this one is just really funny. I mean, if you're stuck up. stuck in a messed up situation like that all that's the, way, that's the best way yeah, to be being the way yeah like, if you're is. stuck in a messed up situation like that all you want to do is figure the shit out not be like oh my god my life but one other thing that i drew parallel with uh, in this in the case of this show was i think netflix at this point of time is also a little obsessed with this idea of you know lo- being in a loop because first it dropped a uh, bandersnatch which is about a game and then the show also has like a lot of endings and a lot of loops and Secondly, Nadia's character is actually a programmer and specifically she makes games. Yeah. And when she's stuck in this whole series, it's like, you know, it's like losing a game and at some point she does play a game and she can't, you know, get beyond a particular step. And she's stuck again and again. So there's this overall yeah. theme of, you know, gaming that I thought these two shows had. Is Netflix going to come out with a new game? Who knows. <laughs> so, like some of the points that I wanted to make. One, like about nadia uh, from a cinematographic point of view it is amazing how she hogs uh, the screen uh, screen time and space while like you know she always keeps the focus on her for the most part of the series the focus is on her and like all her actions will not let you focus on anything else second thing shout out to the song i agree with debe and i think the music for and this music. show was instrumental and the best part is because the first three lines are got to get up got to get home got to get home before the morning comes 
and she just does not get home before the morning comes even if she does her she dies final comments on russian doll of course we would recommend it definitely <laughs> I would, I would it's, it's one of the better uh, netflix shows and i have not been yeah. very impressed with netflix originals i'm still an old hbo fx fan and i don't think ott platforms have been able to nail the originals very well but this is one of the better ones but okay no one one final question okay about this uh, show what do you think makes the show so damn crazy like it's like you know you can't get up you know you have to watch the show and then like okay now i can continue my day because even though it plays in a loop and a lot of elements are similar in the loop but you still can't help uh, yourself notice how things could have been done differently the different choices that could have been made and just to see those all those choices variables play out i'd say it's maths cuz I, i love maths so uh, the whole idea of there being so many permutations and combinations to every myself <laughs> you know how uh, throughout the show uh, nadia is constantly introspecting and retrospecting about the choices that she is making every time she goes back in the loop and i feel like this is somewhat relatable because sometimes we make a decision and later on like while we are sleeping at night we think that did i make the right decision so basically you're saying that the uh, crazy part about the show is that it's a commentary on how we are stuck in bandersnatch <laughs> sort of <laughs> yes okay so now uh, this is the final uh, bit of the podcast and this is the best bit because what does a pop culture addict need more pop culture more recommendations <laughs> so and so in the <laughs> last segment what we going to do is recommend one show to each other and also the listeners so i'll start with manvi first <laughs> all right i would recommend and it's uh, something that i've seen but i'm watching again right now uh, broadchurch which you can see on netflix it's a bbc one show about i'm trying to describe the show without spoilers about how one murder uh, rips a community apart it's also one of those shows where you never know who exactly is uh, the murderer and you're always uh, looking everyone with suspicion i'm personally a huge fan of british crime shows so this one really is something that i love also david tennant's gorgeous scottish accent is enough reason to keep watching it i mean a genuinely gorgeous scottish accent and olivia colman i mean i fell in love with olivia colman thanks to broadchurch and after that i've seen everything that that she's ever done so just and now you see her again yeah 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 <laughs> What was it you said about Netflix originals ha huh? just kirat <laughs> Uh okay so just kirat Uh okay so again surprisingly it's on Netflix or not surprisingly uh but it's not an original it's a PBS and it's a documentary Uh I really really recommend everybody checks out Ken Burns Vietnam War documentary it's a 10 episode series every episode is one and a half hours guys it's going to take you months to get over it not only because every episode is so long but it's a very very heavy subject uh with some really stark images visuals and storytelling but it's it has to be one of the best war documentaries war stories ever ever told presents all sides of it all all aspects not just the military aspect the civilian aspect the the losses loss felt uh, across generations uh it's it's a very important show to watch today because through the words of people who were involved in that war which for the vietnamese went on for almost 30 years but for the americans went on for 10 years through their words you realize the futility of war and we live a, a, in a time right now where a lot of people are asking for war 
so it's all the more uh, a reason for people to go back and hear, hear it from people who have been involved in it as to what impact it leaves on them their family members and most of all the countries that they are a part of uh it has amazing music uh being a classic rock fan it has heavily borrowed from the 1970s classic rock music a lot of the music which is also defined by the vietnam war and it has trent reznor who is a part of the nine inch nails who has also directed the music and overall i think i just just watch the first episode and see if it clicks with you and then watch the rest of it nebai Okay, like while all of you are so hung up on Netflix, I am going to ship to Amazon Prime, and I w- I would recommend Sketchy Behavior. Okay, for the sole reason because Kenny and Kanan have kind of evolved from being stand-up comedians, and they have gone into proper stage acting, and they have nailed it. It's like this is not stand-up comedy; they are actually enacting out skits, and it's a treat to the eye. Like you've had a long day. Ha and you don't want to stress out you need something light to watch and you have pr- probably finished Brooklyn 99 so you don't really have nothing new to watch so yeah this okay. is the show for you uh and finally my recommendation so i've been watching a lot of uh, messed up things lately messed up <laughs> tv shows and movies so um and then i found this show okay i'm sorry on netflix <laughs> and uh, it's 3 is to 1 yeah <laughs> so uh this show is called please like me it's a very sweet comedy and and it you know sort of like lightens up my mood so the protagonist is josh thomas who is a very popular australian comedian and um, the show is about him mostly and how he realizes that he's actually uh, homosexual after his girlfriend breaks up with him and um, it deals with um, you know mental issues as well but it will actually light up your yeah. day so i love this show i i second i second chaudhary's <laughs> recommendation okay so that's a wrap for the second episode of pop sanskriti and thanks for bearing with us if you want to <laughs> i have to because we because we go on for so long yeah. um if you want to discuss any hot topic ranging from um, movies games uh, youtube videos that you watched you can uh, drop us an email at podcast@readthequin.com if you want to join us in an upcoming episode and we'd be happy to have you here again drop an email on the same id And uh, for other podcasts, you can uh, log on to the Quint website and check out a podcast section. So, bye. 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 bye.